has done its part Now let it rain in my life and my heart Your love has done its part Now let it rain in my life and in my heart Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are back today to talk about pornography, and it is a part two from another podcast that we've done on pornography. Last time we spoke a little bit more about pornography in general. Today we want to kind of narrow that focus down and just talk about same-sex attraction and pornography. Shay is out today. She's uh, off doing her thing, and so it's just Corey and I today. So hi, Corey. Hey. So we're going to try to do the best we can to just discuss openly the the struggles of same-sex attraction and pornography and the pornography use that uh, gets into the system at times and what it does to us and what it changes. And so if you're struggling with same-sex attraction and you are not sure what to do with it, maybe you don't even agree that uh, there is such thing as as some same-sex attraction. Maybe you believe that you're gay and that's just what you are. We come from a different perspective. It's our perspective. It's our story. It's, uh, it's my story, and no one can take away my story. And God has shown me that struggling with same-sex attraction is not his best, And so I've always wanted his best, and so it was a journey for me to find his best and to see what he had for me. So maybe you're kind of tiptoeing around the edge of wondering, am I really gay, or is this really what I want? Or maybe occasionally you hear the Holy Spirit somewhere deep in your heart say, this is not my best for you. Well, this is part of what we'd like to do in this podcast, is, is open the door to just talk about What if hurts, what if porn, what if our brokenness is what causes same-sex attraction and it's not that you're born this way? So we're going to talk today about pornography and same-sex attraction and the struggles that we face and so or have faced. Um, I like to think that God can set us free. Corey and I both have some level of freedom, right, Corey? That's right. So there is freedom, and so you may uh, you may think, well, I wonder what kind of freedom, what that really is. Well, we'll keep talking and we'll keep sharing along the way, and you'll find more and more about what freedom really feels like. But today we're talking about pornography and and the brokenness of pornography in the same-sex world. Okay, so I have a question. What do you think makes the draw to pornography so strong? You see people struggle with it so hard for years, and and they just can't seem to let it go. So do you have any ideas on maybe what what is what that is, what the deeper you know cause of that might be? Sure. I think what I would say, my own struggle as well as folks I've worked with is, you know, it's always interesting to me, and I guess I'll start by saying a little a, a little story that I hear a lot, and it's usually a guy that tells me, I don't understand why I have such a struggle with porn, and yet I meet guys who've never even had a struggle with porn. So they wonder, why do I have a struggle, and yet not all guys struggle? Well, I do believe the incidence of struggling is pretty high. I think pornography is pretty high among men. I think it's becoming higher among women. But I myself have had to ask that question. Why is it that one guy can get exposed to pornography and not have really a big problem with it, and other guys do? 
Well, I think there has to be a brokenness for pornography to fill. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have brokenness. So I think a lot of people use pornography to fill that brokenness. But I think especially with pornography, the brokenness usually is is a fear of relationship or a fear of intimacy. Because pornography offers a couple of counterfeit things. It offers, number one, a way to be intimate without really getting close to anyone. And pornography offers a way to not feel by medicating an emotion or a place that hurts that we really don't want to go to. So if we think about it, most of the time, at least in my own past, I can say I just would look at porn and go, oh, I just like what I see, causes arousal, I'm going to masturbate and feel better mm-hmm. or feel the euphoria of ejaculation. Right. That feels good. But when you kind of boil all that down, what you might begin to see is there might be something that already triggered that, that want to go look at porn that you don't even really realize which is perhaps a lonely place or a bored place or a rejection place. And so you feel rejected by something or you feel lonely in a place. And so a person goes to pornography thinking, well, I'm really just interested in what I see. But what Satan's not telling you is, is it's filling a place of a wound that you just haven't dealt with yet. And so that's why it's so hard to let go of because anytime that wound gets triggered – then a guy's going to go to that pornography thinking, I'm just doing this because I like to look at the pictures and I like getting aroused and I like orgasm. But what he doesn't realize is there's a lot of other things at play here that go on beneath the beneath the surface. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So going back to the feelings before, like the triggering feelings, the loneliness or whatever, how would you... I mean, how would you know? How, how would you deal with that, or or what? What is a you know? In, That's the hard part because you're. It's like an automatic thing. You feel depressed, or you feel this just kind of blah, and you're like, "Born, I gotta go to your whatever it is." That's that's your that becomes the the way to, that you operate, and then if you want to change that. That seems like the a tough spot. That's the worst spot, right? Because that's the part we really don't want to go to. Mm-hmm. And usually, if we're not careful, we'll go to porn before we even know what we've really felt before then. So it's hard to see it. It's hard to even know it's there. But it's important to begin looking at... Well, and I, and I do want to add to that. I, I realize what we talked about earlier, I want to add to, you know... Looking at pornography and masturbating and ejaculating is also an addictive thing. Right. It feels good to orgasm. So you put those two things together. You put forbiddenness, you put secrecy, you put sinfulness with an, with an ability to feel good by orgasm, then you're going to get an addictive thing. It's why alcohol is addictive. It's why drugs are addictive. It's why... Good food can be addictive. It's like why sex can be addictive is because it does make us feel good. But too much of a good thing, of course, filling in usually it, what we find is we're going to it more and more and more mm-hmm. because of an empty spot. 
So you're right. You can't really assess the empty spot when you're on your way to your drug, so to speak. You're not, you're not going to be able to stop and go, let's see, I really want to go look at porn, so let me think of what I'm really feeling all the time. But it's a good thing to start by trying to talk with someone and just say, okay, you know what? I look at porn a lot. I'm addicted to it. I can't stop it. Maybe I should at least start looking at what hurts in my life. Because I've seen by working with guys in counseling in my own life as well, the more I worked with my hurts, the less the draw to porn happened. Because when you start working on your hurts, then it, it's not as much of a trigger anymore. In the beginning, it's this hair trigger that the minute you feel a hurt, you run to porn. You don't even realize it. But as you work on your hurts and you actually start to get some healing in that place, there's not as quick of a reaction. And then you do have some time to think about, okay, what am I really doing here? Why am I really going to porn? And it's trying to get rid of some of the old tapes that just say, well, I just am horny or I'm just aroused, I just need something right now. Those are right. old tapes that aren't true. You can tell yourself that because that's what we tend to tell ourselves to feel better. Well, I just need sex right now, or I'm, just, or I'm just aroused right now. But the truth of that is that that's not always the case. A lot of times it is there because of what's missing, not what we need. Right. Does that answer that question? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's kind of like somebody, someone that says, I just like to eat food all the time because I'm always hungry. But if you really look at it, it's not really about the food. Absolutely. Because really, I mean, I can, unfortunately, you know, name a problem. I probably got it. And food <laughs> is also one of my issues. So, and I know that feeling of having to stop and say, okay, are you really hungry? Or are you just needing comfort right now? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, folks, comfort is a big thing. We love to feel comfort. and But we do have to begin to look at why am I so hungry for comfort? What is it that I really need right now? Well, in my own life, I would look back and go, oh, I feel inadequate today because something would happen at work that would make me feel inadequate. Or I'd feel lonely Oh, I'm not lonely. I like my alone time. But alone time is only as good as it really meets a need up until the point that you may be hiding, but you still feel lonely. And I don't know about you, but for me, masturbation and pornography made it okay to be alone because then I had a friend. You know, I used to call pornography, I mean, I, you know, all of it, my best friend because I didn't need close connections with people as long as I had pornography and masturbation, because then if I started feeling anything, I could just go to that place, feel better, and it would probably only last for 20 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe a couple hours, mm -hmm. and then I'd be back at it again, trying to figure out how to fix the hole in my heart. Yeah, it sounds like there's a cycle that brings you from the, the loneliness or de depressed trigger to want to look at porn or whatever, and then once you do, you're you're kind of back in that spot, if not even a worse spot where it's just repeating and you're just kind of chasing your tail. Chasing your tail. That's a great, a great word for it. Because then you get in that cycle of it feels good for a moment, then you go through the shame, 
Then you come out of the shame. Then you feel lonely again or hurt or rejected. And then you go back into the brokenness, which causes more shame. It's just a cycle of shame. It just causes more and more brokenness. Right. And I think if we put, I think if we put same sex in this mix, then we have to at least talk about what is the draw to same sex attraction. I mean, excuse me. What is the draw to looking at men from the perspective of a same-sex attracted male. And I think that's an important place to at least start talking because, at least in my opinion, in the gay community, I've been there, most guys would just say, well, I'm born this way, so I was born attracted to men. Mm -hmm. Or I just like attractive men. And I think it's important to start questioning that place because... I think if we really boil that place down, you actually might find that people who say, I'm just attracted to men, they might have to look at what exactly about men are you attracted to. Right. That's a whole different question. Go deeper than just the, the surface. Yes. And it's even interesting to hear some guys say, well, I'm attracted to a guy's muscles or his body or his package or whatever you want to call it. But the truth is, is if you look at those things, a guy might find that he's really attracted to those things that other men have that he's afraid he doesn't have. Right. I think it's interesting that when it comes to same-sex attraction and pornography, there is a big portion of pornography that is it's all about straight men, you know? And that's just kind of an interesting thing to look at. Why Why are? Why, why is there porn for men to look at straight men who are whatever? You know, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I, I would just look at my own life, my own struggle. I know that I didn't feel... Especially starting around middle school, I did not feel like, I guess, a valid male. I, I just didn't feel like I was, I made a good, a good male, a good guy. Like I was, didn't, <clears throat> in a group of guys, I just kind of was thinking, I'm not like y'all. I want, I want to be, you know, but I don't know how to be. I just feel like a, a little sissy boy. You know, Amen. like a child. Absolutely. And so when I started looking at porn, it was like I could kind of almost feel some kind of ownership or like just a weird way of acceptance or closeness with that type of masculinity, almost like I could obtain my own masculinity through looking at this or... I could be validated in a weird way. Absolutely. But what's really twisted is it ended up making me feel more, even more shameful in relating to men in real life because then it's like, well, you guys don't even, if you guys knew that I was like looking at men, you'd really hate me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, I really wouldn't fit. Exactly. And although my greatest fear is I'm not going to fit, now I really don't fit. Because if you knew that I looked at men the way I look at them behind closed doors, then you'd know immediately I don't fit here. And it's that, 
you know, I, that's it's so great the way you said that because it's it's worrying that we don't fit because we feel like a little boy all the time. And even as other people are little boys, we feel less than a little boy. And yet what we really want is to be affirmed as a male, as a man. And yet we don't generally in this brokenness, most of us generally don't have a father who knows how to affirm our masculinity. Mm -hmm. So we continue to feel like we're not quite there. We go out on the playground, and because we're afraid we don't fit among other boys, we kind of hang off in the background, which makes us feel even more that we don't fit. So then we start hanging around more with girls, where we begin to feel like we fit better. So, of course, I don't fit here, but I fit with girls, which makes me feel even less of a man. And yet then we go look for porn that's absolutely masculine because that's really what God made us for. He made us to be strong and affirmed in our own masculinity. But for a guy struggling in this area, all he's ever been told by either society or his brokenness or his own father is that you don't measure up to what a real man is. So he goes looking for that mystery of a man kind of talked about this after our last podcast about pornography, right? Is that whole looking for the mystery of a man. Mm -hmm. We find it in pornography because now we can really relate. Wow, you know, I don't get to change in front of all the other guys on the football team because I don't feel like I fit there. But I can sit here and look for hours at naked men and finally feel some connection that that I'm getting that resolve of that mystery of a male But really, it's not real because after you're done, because it's gotten mixed into our puberty and we begin to get aroused by it, after you ejaculate because what you really want is there, after you get aroused and you finish, then you feel all like you don't really belong anymore because now the shame comes in and says, oh, yeah, if real men knew what you were looking at, look at what you'd be. So you're never going to be a real man. That's what I think is so sad about the entire gay community is they're all looking to be whole, but they've begun to realize, or they don't realize, they've actually begun to just settle for being not whole and staying in their brokenness and trying to make it somehow work, and it just will never work. Right. Yeah, and also it's interesting with the looking at looking at porn, we talked about this already but it it twists your perception of everyone because if you're watching men changing in a video or you're watching them like it's like there's a scenario and this is a you know a, these are all straight men or this is this whatever you know whatever the situation is then you start thinking so or at least I did was like is this going on in other places is this you know, it just kind of makes your view of things really weird, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because really the truth is, is is a guy, and I speak for myself, I didn't really know what real men did. I didn't really know what was real. I mean, I remember a time when I was young, uh, was, I was with my parents and I was at a, my cousin's football game and we went to his locker room after the football game and I saw these guys changing and I remember feeling like, wow, there's something about this that I want. And it felt attractive. 
But I didn't really know that this was real because I had never understood what it meant to be a guy with other guys. And mm-hmm. so I'm a nine or 10 year old kid watching this going, wow, guys really do this? You know, I had never known that boys could just hang out and be buddies together because I, I was already feeling like I don't fit here. And yeah. so I think that is a beginning of what it brings to that. I mean, I think that's why you, what you said is absolutely true. I mean, most guys, and I don't want to put everybody in a box, but I'm saying most guys who struggle generally don't look for the feminine men and think they're attractive. It's usually that the guys are looking for a more masculine man and trying to look for him for affirmation because that's, you know, it's it's true when you commit lust in your in your mind for someone you've committed lust in your heart and so it does do something on this on a spiritual realm when a guy looks at you know when i used to look at pornography and see this masculine man mm-hmm. be sexual in myself towards that image it does do something in the spirit realm of at least in that moment i take in that image as an idol of perfection mm-hmm. and worship it through my brokenness and so it does give me a moments of connection with that image, but it's not real because it's an idol. It's kind of like if you think about the children of Israel worshiping the golden calf. We look at that and we laugh going, well, I think I'd know not to worship a golden calf. But to them, the golden calf represented something. It represented safety, freedom, someone to worship, to bring them out of the bad place they were in. And sometimes that's what pornography does. We don't look at it that way. But when you worship an image, it's like, I want that image. And for that moment, as you're being sexual with the image, you're taking that part of that body into yourself. Yeah, I guess I never thought about that. But I think that is definitely true. There is a spiritual element there or a demonic element because... There's more going on. There's definitely more going on that you that you don't see because it's so powerful. I mean, it's just insanely powerful. And I remember having this feeling of just wanting to, like, um, absorb this. Like, it's like I, I, I just want to, you know. Take it in. Take it in or, or what's the word? Like a. Join with it. Yeah, like absorb or or just kind of like, I don't know, but it's almost like a cannibalism. You know, I need to take word. I need to take this from you because I need this. And mm-hmm. so even in the in the gay world of act of like actually meeting up with men and all that, it's the same thing, really. It's just, but it it never works. Right. It never actually works because you can't. Take that from somebody. Absolutely. And and you're so right. That cannibalism is a great word because what it is is it's wanting to acquire what that image has for just a moment. And I think you're so right. If you could put that on a spiritual realm image, what you'd see is this broken, empty wound who just needs something temporary to fill it to keep it from hurting So Satan offers, and all of the demons of hell offer a temporary fix. It's like, I'm going to help you fill this. But nothing Satan offers is is permanent. It's always going to be temporary. But he doesn't care. As long as he can get you distracted from the true God 
for a moment to have you worship him, which if you think about it, every time we look at porn, we're worshiping the image, which is worshiping Satan, because he does not want your eyes on God. He wants your eyes on him or anything but God. So if he can allow you to open your eyes to worship lust, because lust is offering you something there. Mm-hmm. Lust is offering, like in my brokenness, it would offer me, this is the perfect image. This is the man you want. Come after him. Take him. And it's like in masturbation and, and fantasy, I could do that. I took my eyes completely off the Father, turned my eyes completely to evil, and that's what Satan wants, and that's why he, he allows his demons to stir you into that place of wanting that, mm-hmm. to fill your brokenness, and then once it's all over, he just kind of says, see, ha-ha, you get nothing. You get nothing. And look what a despicable person you are. See, look at you. You're filthy. You're not even ever going to live up to that image. And wow. then it devastates your heart. You feel just as shameful after it's all over, mm-hmm. and you walk away empty. But, wow. but we don't see that at the time. And that's what makes my heart hurt for people who struggle in these areas because pornography is just a place of giving you a momentary glimpse of like a, a drop of water on your tongue in a dry and thirsty desert. But then he walks away laughing saying that's all you're ever going to get and you're not worth anything more than that. And that's what God really tries to do is help us to see, son, you're worth so much more than that. You've always been the man that I created you to be, but your brokenness makes you only see what you're not. And Satan loves to live in the level of our not. He loves to live in that place of telling us what we aren't and what we'll never be, while God continually tries to show us what we are and always have meant to be. But porn doesn't let you see that. Porn will only let you see the temporary. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so crazy about pornography because it will it will seem to fill for the moment, but it just is not fulfilling for the lifetime. Yeah, and it sounds like it kind of – it leaves you deceived and, and confused, you know, because one of the ways it sounds like to come out of this is to just know the truth. And if you're staying in that place – you can't really grasp it exactly. Right. And our world has put a pretty name on it called addiction. But if you can look at the addictive quality, what it really is, is I have, like in my own brokenness, I became used to the temporary fill. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, I'm never going to get the permanent fill. And yet when God says, Lee, I want you to stop, I want you to come to me when you start to feel that way, I didn't trust him. So I, I didn't feel like he could really fill the way I had learned that pornography could fill, even if it was for 27 seconds. It did fill temporarily. It always left me hurting and left me wanting more and never fulfilling. But that was at least more trustworthy than his idea of, I can feel this, but you have to come to me. Because I don't know about you and your struggle, but it always, it it hurts more to go to him because he doesn't give you the quick fix. He asks you to walk through your pain. And that's what we don't generally like to do. That's the thing about the the quick fix is it's, there's like a certain um, electricity to it. It's very powerful. I mean, it just, there's something to it that's completely different. So, you can't expect to have 
that kind of a, you know, of a reaction or, or of a, an experience when, when going the, the right way. Amen. It's more fulfilling the right way, but it's, it takes time and it's, it's going to be painful. And as we've talked about, it's not a quick fix. So it's not immediately fulfilling. It takes time to fulfill. Because what God does is he takes our wound and he actually starts to clean it out and get all the junk out of it. And it hurts to have your wounds cleaned out. It hurts like heck. Yeah. And so I remember feeling like this deep guttural pain when I started saying no to pornography and started saying no to things of acting out sexually and realizing that as I began to feel that, I could feel the pain in my heart. And that's the one thing we generally don't like to get to. We want to run from that and run back to the place of temporary. That's why some people say, well, I don't understand why it's taking me so long to get free. Well, because we're in this constant struggle of, okay, God, I'll let you clean out a little bit. Oh, it's hurting again. I got to go back over here. And then Mm -hmm. he's like, okay, now I'll be waiting when you come back. And he's great about slowly filling in that place, but it doesn't happen overnight. And we get scared because we're afraid we're always going to hurt like this. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. When when you turn to God and he's cleaning at the wound, so to speak, and it hurts, so you... I mean, that seems like the perfect time for the devil to come in and say, you know, whatever, present whatever opportunity. Absolutely. And so for me, that's been the struggle in the past where it would be like, I, okay, God, you know, I'm I'm yours, I'm doing this right. And then I go through a lot of pain and it's like, I can't do this. And I run back and then it's like, Oh man, what did I do? I screwed everything up. How do I go back to God? I am, what does this mean for me? You know, what what do I do? And then it leaves me even further in this place, you know, of sin because it's like, well, now I can't go back to God and you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Absolutely. And I think, you know, Corey, if I would offer you something that I've learned in my life is that that's the struggle of all men and women is we try to be good in whatever it is. We come to the Lord for a moment. We feel his love. We feel his love. We get filled by his, his, his hope. But then we get hurt because something hurts us in this world. And so we are afraid he's not going to help our hurt. So we run back to the thing that is temporary, but yet is quick. You know, we live in a microwave world, so we like things to happen now. We want it to, I want to feel better now. I want to, I get a headache, I want to take two Tylenol, and I want it to be over with. I, you know, lose my job, I want immediately to start getting unemployment, and then two days later, I want a new job. And so we like things that go quick. And so I think what then happens is, is we get, we look up and we're like, wow, I'm sorry, I've left you again, God. And yet, that's when Satan yells the loudest, in my opinion, because that's when he says, oh, see, he's not going to want you back. Don't go back over there. You've already screwed up. You've already messed it up. Don't go back over there. Stay here. Look again. Go ahead. Go back on porn again. It'll help. It'll make you feel better. 
And I don't know about you, but I had those moments where I'd stay on porn for days on end just because it was like, I've already messed up, so why not just live it? I'll just stay here because I already know God doesn't care about me because he doesn't want me back. Mm. I screwed up. I left him behind. I turned my back on him. I don't I don't need him to affirm me. I already know I messed up. He doesn't want to be around me. And all I can offer to you is the day that kind of hit me in the gut in a good way <laughs> was the day that I felt like God said to me, Lee, I never leave you. When you go to that place of sin, I go with you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So my Holy Spirit doesn't leave you just when you go there. He stays. So he sees everything you do, and he's still there. You're the one in your shame that won't come back to me. I've never left you. I mean, he, t- he went to the gates of hell when he died on the cross because he wanted to rescue us from that consequence. So he does not leave us now in our sin. He goes with us and says, I'm not leaving you. I'm still here. He has nothing to do with sin. It does grieve him. That's what's called grieving of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean he cuts out and runs at that point. It doesn't mean he says, I'm done with you. He just says it hurts. It hurts to see you going back to the thing that hurts my child the most. So I'm not leaving. It's like the prodigal son. What did the father do? He ran to the son when he saw him coming. So that's what God does. He runs. When you turn back and come back to him, he runs to you. I never saw that. I thought, well, God, you don't want to be around me right now. I get it. So give me two or three days to do this. Let me clean up. And then I may come back to church, you know, or I may try and get back to you because then maybe I'll be cleaner. And he's like, come to me as you are. Come to me in your filthy rags. But we don't want to do that because we've lived in a bit of a perfectionistic home or perfectionistic society that says, oh, we can love you as long as you're shiny and bright. But when you're broken, you better get cleaned up and then we'll want you back. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a crazy ride. Yeah, the the perfectionism thing, too, I think is an element that, for me, has, like, led me into acting out, you Absolutely. know, because it's like, I feel I have to be perfect in order to be loved or to be whatever, you know, and if I don't, if I'm not perfect, or if, even if I don't feel like I'm perfect, it's like, I've failed and it's, I don't, you know, it's hard to handle that feeling. It's like, you know what I mean? It's all performance-based, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a trap. And it's, a, it's a, a lie of the devil. But everyone, I would, shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people fall into that place. Sometimes parents can expect perfection, Sometimes teachers expect perfection. Sometimes pastors expect perfection. Sometimes congregations expect perfection from their pastors. Mm -hmm. So there's this perpetual brokenness that keeps telling us, you have to be good for us to love you. And so that's when we fail. We're going to run back to our broken place of porn or, or sex or drugs or whatever it is because we're caught in this place of if I'm not always perfect, then people aren't going to love me. So I might as well just stay where I don't have to be perfect. Satan loves it that we're imperfect. 
because he loves that he can make us feel shamed for being imperfect. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing is Christ is the only perfection. I don't have to live up to perfection because he's our only perfection. He, he says, I'm the only one that could have done this because I'm the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He's the only one that could have made the sacrifice. It was kind of freeing to realize I don't have to be perfect. But people get afraid of that because they're like, oh, you're, you're saying that people shouldn't try. You're saying that people shouldn't keep following the law. You're saying that, oh, you're just letting people give up and say, well, I can't be perfect, so therefore I'll just go do whatever I want. I'm not saying that's what Paul said. Does that mean I keep on sinning? Absolutely not. But grace abounds where there is sin. And that's the kind of, in my opinion, that's the journey of trying to figure out where can I acknowledge that I'll never be perfect and let sin, uh, excuse me, let grace cover that place Mm-hmm. rather than going back to my own perfection that says I have to be perfect before I can be loved by God. Grace is the open door that says, Corey, Lee, I don't care what you did yesterday. Come in to my, come into my throne room. Sit on my, sit on my throne. Sit with me. Crawl on my lap. Talk to me about what you did yesterday. That's the, the grace is the carpet that opens that do- doorway and allows us to walk in. But we don't sometimes see that grace because we think we have to pretty up before we can go to the throne room. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus tore the veil, because he's like, I want the veil to be open so you no longer have to do to get God. You just come to God now. It's free. It's open. And that's a hard thing for people to grasp. Well, I know we've kind of been talking about some difficult subjects today. Uh, we kind of started with pornography, and we kind of went wildly into other places. And so uh, just know that's sometimes what our podcasts are going to look like. Right, Corey? That's right. We like wild. God is a wild and loving God. He doesn't expect us to stay in a box. He wants us to live outside the box. And so I love a God that allows me to live outside the box, and I appreciate that he also has never been boxed in. So you've been listening to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio. This is Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We've talked a little bit today about same-sex attraction and pornography. Hope you'll keep listening. If you have any comments or questions, you're welcome to con- contact us at lee at shadowofhiswingsministry.com. We'd love to hear from you. Someday soon we'll have Corey an email, and you can contact him as well. Right, Corey? Sure. <laughs> So we just appreciate you listening in. We hope you'll join us next time and keep listening, and we'll try to be wild and and available to talk about other topics next time as well. God bless you all.